right, Psalm 100, Psalm 100 today, <clears throat> should be a very familiar portion of scripture for you, Psalm 100, just want to go through this passage and give you some thoughts and then we'll be done, my wife said, minute to win it, so that's my uh, marching orders here today. And to win it. Psalm 100. Let's read that psalm together. Or you can read aloud if you'd like as we read through it. Psalm 100, a psalm of praise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. This is rightly called a psalm of praise. You see uh, different things made note of. Make a joyful noise, uh, gladness, singing, uh, thanksgiving, praise, thankful, bless his name. And you see so many things in there, but uh, just like to go through this verse by verse and consider some thoughts here. We'll begin in verse one. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. That word make has to, to do with uh, taking different parts and forming them together, right? Uh, building something, creating something. I fear in our day and age, we uh, in America have become more consumers of things rather than creators of things in many cases, right? Um, I think it's important to learn to be able to create something. I work in a public school and uh, as a system administrator in the technology department, but I know that uh, something that's caught on in education system is a thing called STEM. It stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. Sometimes you'll see the acronym as THEME, and they throw art in there, but they're teaching kids to learn and, and, and be creative, and they might play with robots or Legos or quadcopters and learn how to how things work, right, and, and be able to make stuff. And I think that's important. I think God made man a little lower than the angels and gave him dominion over the earth, and we should subdue the earth. Um, aren't you glad that somebody subdued the earth enough to form this building together so we have a comfortable place to meet? All right, we have some air conditioning and, and that. We're not out in the woods living under the, the sunshine, the leaves, and I think that's a, a God-given responsibility to subdue the earth and to make and create things. And I think we ought to be careful about uh, doing more watching people live life than we do live life ourselves. You know, we watch football on TV. How many of y'all played football recently? Jonathan did out there. We did some. How many, you know, you might watch somebody make a meal on a food show, right? Nothing wrong with that. But uh, Or flip a house. But... If we're not careful, we can spend a lot of time watching other people live in life and miss out that, hey, I could be doing something in my life profitable as well, right? Um, just the idea of making things. But here we're instructed to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Now, uh, sometimes that gets thrown around like, uh, you can't sing a lick, that's all right, just make a joyful noise, right? And we know what that means and that sort of thing. But that word noise has to do with like in battle or sound of triumph a shout for triumph, a cry in battle. And uh, that's not something uh, most of us are personally familiar with, right? We've been blessed in America. We don't, we don't live in fear of what's uh, 
what's going to come through our village and, 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 you know, raiders and destroy our homes and, and kill our families. We don't live in fear of what rockets are going to hit our village next and whose family is going to get going to get hit and that sort of thing. We've been really blessed, and most of us on a personal level don't live with that constant vigilance of, of battle. But what we do know about in many cases is competition, right? And uh, in America, we, we know a lot about that through sports and other things. I remember uh, as a little kid going to our, our church had its own camp. It was out in the Florida woods. It was carved out. And uh, so you'd go out there, and I remember one year me and my sister were on the same team. And one of the early things you do when you go out for a week of camp is you decide a team cheer. They split you up into teams, and you got to do a team cheer, right? And uh, it gets kind of silly or whatever. So we were, we were young. I was probably elementary level. And I remember um, our leaders, they kind of pretty much, the adults take care of the cheer, most of it. But we were the Model T's. That was our team name. And okay, that's all right. Somehow the other team got to be the Bluebirds. So they were airplanes versus cars. But I still remember our cheer. And it went something like this. Model T's, Model T's. We're the ones to please. Model T's, Model T's. We'll leave the other team in the breeze. Now, is that lame or what? That's pretty bad. To make matters worse, the other team had a great cheer. They were bluebirds high in the sky. Watch us as we fly right by. Red is dead. Blue is true. We're going to stomp all over you. Go bluebirds, right? So we had competition, right? And I think... uh, and that was pretty bad. We got beat pretty bad on that cheer, obviously. But I think when God says talking about making a joyful noise, it's not talking about singing, but it's talking about more of the, the triumphant cheer and encouragement and rejoicing and, and gladness in what God has done for us. And it says all you lands, people in every land. And I think we ought to be busy making and creating rejoicing and, and telling the good things of what God has done. And, yes, God's coming, and, and we're going to have victory in Christ. We have it. And the, the battle's not done, but God is still going to come back and, and make, make things right, right? And we, be, we ought to be busy in our own individual lives and in our families and our churches rejoicing and making a joyful noise for what God has done. I remember growing up, my dad used to ask us, did you see God working in your life this week? And uh, the idea of seeing what God was doing and expressing that and sharing that and noticing that. We ought to be busy about that, making a joyful noise about what God's doing in our lives, what he's going to do, and that sort of thing. It goes on to say in verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with seeing. That word serve means to work, to serve. And what does it mean to serve the Lord? I think sometimes we get the idea that serving the Lord is is like a full-time pastor or missionary or a Christian school teacher or an evangelist, that sort of thing. But what does it mean to serve the Lord? Martin Luther was of the opinion that the work of the labor in the field was just as important as the preaching and praying of the minister. He is quoted as saying, a dairy maid can milk cows to the glory of God. And when you really start to consider that we all have a place in God's kingdom to serve, we can't all be the pastor, obviously, right? Where would be the congregation? And so God has a place for each of us to get plugged in and serve him. It may be uh, you're a homeschool mom or something, and, you, and you're working on making a clean house and meals three times a day and trying to build young citizens for the Lord and, and, and God's kingdom. And it may be you make 
uh, books. You, you're an author and you, you do this sort of thing, but you serve the Lord and maybe you're in technology or you're uh, in a manufacturing place or maybe you're an educator. Whatever it is God has for you, whether it's at home, at church, at, at a workplace, at a J-O-B, uh, we're to do what God has for us to do as unto the Lord. Would you turn over into Colossians for me, please? Colossians chapter 3. Looks like that clock's about, what, 10 minutes behind? Okay. All right. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Let's look at a passage here. We find some instruction here. The Bible says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. All right. So <clears throat> serving the Lord means that every day you look to serve him even in the most menial of tasks. If my next job is to sweep this floor, it may be not the most uh, glamorous thing, but if that's what God has for me next, that's my duty to do that, and it tells us as to the Lord. And uh, whatever it may be, if it's uh, going to work, I'm to do that as to the Lord, as if Jesus Christ was my boss, right? And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. I'm not to do this as to the boss or the supervisor or to my husband first and foremost or whoever. It's to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Why? For ye serve the Lord Christ. Who are we doing this for, right? Yeah, sure, I may have to do this. I may need to feed my family and, and show up to the J-O-B. But who am I doing this for? Am I doing this just to look good to the boss or am I doing this for the Lord, right? And this is hard to do. Um, we're not to do our works as unto men, right? Um, that's easy to say, but when someone does something wrong towards me or my, someone in my department, am I going to behave like everyone else or am I going to serve the Lord? When uh, you do something great and nobody notices, are we going to pout or are we going to do it as unto the Lord? Um, God instructs us that we're to serve him, right? Serve the Lord there, and it goes on to say how we're to serve the Lord with gladness. Gladness. Not only am I to focus clearly on the Lord, this is what I'm here for, to serve God, but I'm to do it with gladness. Um, that can be difficult, right? Not everybody out there wants to do the right thing. Not everybody loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you're going to encounter difficulty. You're going to encounter wrong pressure. You're going to encounter wrong behaviors by other people, right? So what's the, what's the answer? Who are we serving and how are we serving? Serving the Lord and we're to do it with gladness. Gladness. That's, uh, to me, that's kind of hard preaching right there. Uh, you know, we can get up and yell and scream and, and you know, call, call out all the evils in the world, but uh, it's something hard to do, to struggle with that in, in a world where uh, most people probably don't love the Lord. They're not interested in doing things his way. And yet I'm to serve the Lord in spite of that, in the midst of that, and I'm to do it with gladness, right? And uh, this not only applies to the work context, but it, it applies to every context, no matter where you're at, home, work, church, you find out what God have you to do, and you do it as unto him, right? And not as unto man. And that's, uh, that's the challenge here. The psalmist says, serve the Lord with gladness he goes on to say come before his presence with singing you know when we come into god's presence we should come with singing and singing is something every believer should do right 
just as I could not do your eating for you, I could not do your singing for you, right? We were just eating lasagna and some other stuff down there. Um, I can't eat lasagna for Pastor Greg, right? He's got to eat his own lasagna, right? I've got to put food in my body so I can have an energy to keep going, and he's got to do it for him, right? Well, the same holds true for my Bible reading, my praying, and my singing, right? I know in America, um, we, we kind of have this spectator mindset, right? We go to a game and watch them play baseball, or, we'll go, or hockey, or we'll, we'll go to somewhere and, oh, they're singing a song, or, oh, they're throwing a ball, or whatever. Well, if we're not careful, I think we have to guard against that, again, in the, in the house of God, where we come in there, oh, there's the choir. Oh, yeah, that was a little, a little rough, that number today. Oh, there's a song leader. Yeah, he's, he looks like he's got a headache. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was a little off. He missed that note. You know, if we're, if we're not careful, we become spectators, right? Spectators. And we're not to come watch people sing. We're to come into God's presence with singing, right? And that's important. You say, well, I don't, I don't sing very well. I think God knows whatever skill level he gave each of us. That's not the point. It's the point is, are we going to honor him and do, use what he's given us to sing and to come to his presence with singing? He's worthy of that. The Bible says in Psalm 23, 3, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. I think singing brings the presence of God. Flip on over to Second Chronicles, and I'll show you something interesting. Second Chronicles chapter 20, if you look at it with me, please. Second Chronicles chapter 20, and beginning in verse... We find an interesting story here in 2 Chronicles 20.20 to give us some perspective on singing. It says, And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 22, And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. All right. Um, here we sing that, uh, or see that there was a, a, they're getting ready to face a battle, right? And... Instead of sending out uh, the spearmen or the horsemen or whatever, it, it looks like uh, he appointed singers unto the Lord and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, right? Rather than sending the, the scouts or the spearmen or whoever out in front of the army, they sent out essentially the choir. They sent out the singers, right? And what happened, it says in verse 22, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon. And it says there at the end of that verse, and they were smitten, right? God showed up when they began to sing and to praise. And it's been said, God wants to hear you sing. And when they began to sing and to praise, God showed up and he smote the enemies of his people. God wants to hear us sing and we're to sing unto the Lord and we're to come before his presence with singing, right? And not just in a congregational sense. God would love to hear you sing throughout the week, right? Um, this is not a, 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 relig- a religious like mandate that you've got to sing every day at a certain time. No, but you ought to bring your heart in, before God's presence and at times with singing, 
right? And what a privilege if you've been singing to the Lord and and each one of us is sing to the Lord throughout the week and then we get to come in once a week or however many times a week and gather with other believers that believe like we do and we get to sing together the same kind of songs to the same Lord. What a privilege that is, right? And not to be taken lightly. And so those those singing parts of our service should be special, right? It shouldn't be... Um, Exclusive, where that's the only time we sing to the Lord, right? Let's continue on. Verse 3, it says, Know you that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. One of the most important things in life you can do is to learn who is God. I remember years ago having a friend that I think he wrote a track and maybe trying to, you know, share the gospel or whatever. But I think one of the first points in it was there is a God and it's not you, Right? And uh, while that may be a little bit blunt, um, the point is, yeah, there is a God and it's not either, any of us, right? And that's one of the, the things that a lot of people miss is uh, they walk around living life as if they were the master. And yet the Lord, he is God and it's not us. And who determines or what determines who's going to be in charge? The Bible clearly says it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Uh, creation... Uh, dictates ownership, right? If if I make something, inherently I own that, right? If I took some boards and built a box, that's whose box is it? Is it somebody else's box? Well, if I took, if I was the one that created it, it would be inherently mine, right? That ownership would be mine. And the psalmist here they clearly defines that the Lord He is God, and here's why. And creation is very important, right? If you remove creation and if you allow the, the lies and deceits of evolution, um, then you really remove the authority of God. Because if we all came from a rock or a Big Bang or a, a pool of mud or wherever, then my opinion is just as good as your opinion, and there is no absolute authority, right? Let's all go do however we want to. And yet the, the Bible is clear, and the psalmist here, that the Lord... He is God. Here's why. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. It's not us, right? We didn't make us. We didn't make this world. It's God. And we need to recognize that it's Him. The Bible says in Romans 9:20, Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? You know, learning who is God. And who God is, is is a great uh, journey to be on, right? You start out by learning that who is God. Okay, it's the Lord God Almighty. Now let me learn who he is. Is he heavy-handed? Is he distant? Is he good? Is he uh, bad? Is he angry? Is it, you know, learning who God is is a lifelong journey and one worth traveling on. The Bible says in Second Peter 1, 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Knowing who God is uh, provides us the answer to struggles in our life. Grace and peace will be multiplied unto us through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The passage continues, We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Uh, Pastor Greg was was in that passage in 2 Corinthians uh, earlier today. Verse 16 says, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they 
shall be my people. You, do you realize there's a distinction between God's people and the world? Um, we have a privilege of being God's people. I think it was Peter that talks about a peculiar uh, chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Um, we have that privilege, right? Know you that the Lord, he is God. Is he that has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people. Let's not forget that. We're supposed to be called out. We're supposed to be different. It's, uh, it's easy to kind of assimilate in the world and to look like everybody else, not be too weird, not to be too distinctive. Um, and you don't be weird for weird's sake, but let's remember that we are God's people and the sheep of his pasture. Throughout Scripture, we are referred to as God's sheep, right? Think of those passages that refer to us as sheep. Psalm 23:1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. John 10:27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him iniquity of us all. We are his sheep and his people. What a great blessing. Verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Here we find our invitation and privilege to enter into God's presence. If I'm going to enter this closet, I'm going to have to be facing that way. I'm going to have to turn my direction to there and start heading that way, right? And uh, here uh, we need to uh, be reminded to come to God. Right? That's our privilege as children of God to come into God's presence. And that's important. We've given that invitation uh, here in the Bible throughout Scripture. The Bible says in Hebrews 7:19, For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. James 4:8, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Matthew 11:28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest, right? Come come to God. Come near to God. Move closer. Draw nigh to God. It probably could be said that we're either moving closer to God or farther away, right? And we're to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, right? Uh, thanksgiving probably has to do with adoration and maybe specifically a choir of worshipers there. But not only are we to enter, but to enter with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise um, when's the last time we just broke out in a song of praise to the Lord? And as we've mentioned earlier, that's our responsibility as individuals, right? It's not the preacher's responsibility to sing. It's not the song leaders. It's not all the Christian artists, you know, we'll let them do all the singing. No, 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 it's each of us. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Um, God shows us what he wants us to do, and he wants us to do it with thanksgiving. Uh, God's greatness dictates that we sing his praise and give him thanks, right? Thanksgiving is not a, uh, a holiday. It's not a, a day filled with football and turkey. It's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a learning to give God thanks. I like this phrase here in verse 4, be thankful unto him and bless his name. This is such a simple statement, yet it's such a beautiful one. I kind of can just imagine somebody that's a little bit more seasoned and whether, you know, maybe a, like a parent or somebody that's been saved for a while and maybe they're kind of giving you some counsel, you're standing shoulder to shoulder and in a, just some quiet setting and and they're trying to help you with some things and, and they just say, be thankful unto him and bless his name, right? Can you just imagine that with me? It's like simple yet 
yet powerful and, and, and good advice. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Uh, the humility and, and beauty of a thankful heart can be very refreshing. I remember one time we were setting up, my wife does some piano lessons and stuff. We have a little small business for that. We were setting up for recital and and we had a parent that was helping us and we just we said thank you maybe more than once and I just remember her commenting one time, well, it's just so refreshing that somebody would appreciate what you do or something. And I don't know what was going on with her life or people that weren't thankful or whatever, but it is it is important that we are thankful people, right? And it's not just the the platitudes and formalities that that are proper and polite in society, but to really be thankful. Um, you know, it's easy to adopt an entitlement mentality, right? It's easy sometimes without even intending to. We become uh, expectant of certain things, right? We're Americans, right? We want what we want, when we want it, and don't give me any lip about it. And I'd like fries with that, right? All right, we don't want to wait anywhere at the restaurant, the grocery store, wherever. In traffic, you know, we're we're privileged, right? We want what we want, when we want, um, that kind of thing. And we got to be careful about that. We have examples of scripture uh, of folks that were thankful. Daniel did. He did three times a day. He gave thanks regularly. We find that even Jesus gave thanks, right? He said, uh, I think it was in Matthew eleven twenty-five, I thank thee, Father. Right? He was thankful. Um, you find in Matthew 15, he gave thanks for the seven loaves and the fishes. And we find in Philippians 4 that Paul instructs us that our requests are to be made to God with thanksgiving. Right? Be, be careful for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And, and that's important. Um, thanksgiving is very powerful. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know that we all realize the power of being thankful. I think uh, my wife and I kind of went through a book, was it last year, maybe 2018? I think it was called Choosing Gratitude by... Uh, Nancy Lee DeMoss or whatever. Um, if you're interested in, a, in some deeper thoughts on Thanksgiving, it, uh, it was really good. It gives you a lot of, a lot of truth about being thankful. Um, just uh, there's, some, there's some great benefits, and it seems like it may very well be an answer to many of life's problems. It's just cultivating the, the attitude of gratitude, if you will. The Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. That word bless has to do with kneel by implication to bless God as an act of adoration. The takeaway there, we should be kneeling before God in adoration and thanksgiving regularly, right? Um, You can pray different ways for sure. Um, Sometimes it's just healthy to get on the knees and, and take that posture of humility, I think. And uh, give thanks to God. Last verse, verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endureth to all generations. Um, the Lord is good, not has been good, not was good, not will be good, but the Lord is good. He may have been all of those things, but he is good. Right now, right here in my situation, in my struggle, in my grief, in my problems or things that I'm dealing with, God is good, right? Uh, not only is he the opposite of evil, but he's good in a positive sense too. He's working in our lives. He's bringing about his will. He's doing what's best, right? The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Aren't you glad for that? Uh, I don't know about you, but I sure have uh, 
put a dent on God's mercy at times, right? Um, aren't you glad we didn't wear it out and it's all gone? Sorry, you used it all up in the first three minutes of your life, right? Um, his mercy is everlasting. So that's good because it will never wear it out. He's got an endless supply and praise the Lord for that. His truth says, and his truth endureth to all generations. Um, that truth is so important. And aren't you glad for that promise that the truth will endure to all generations, right? Um, people have, have opposed the truth, right? They've burned it. They've burned people with it. They've, they've tortured people. They've harmed people. They've, they've done all kind of crazy things. They've outlawed it. They've banned it. They've tried to corrupt it. Just so many things. But we have God's promise here that and his truth endureth to all generations. Even my generation can have the promise of the word of God that we have the truth, right? Of course, not everybody wants the truth, right? We find in our own lives that we don't always want to receive the truth in different areas, and we're responsible for that. But don't let it be said of God that he didn't give us the truth, right? It's available to us in 2019, right? Some of you in the older generation, you had it. The younger generation, we have it. Praise the Lord. The younger generation still will have it. Uh, it's our responsibility is what to do with the truth, but here we have that promise from God. He's good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. I think all of those aspects of God uh, are just long-lasting. He's good, and that's going to stay that way. He's merciful, and that's for everlasting. His truth is going to be there no matter what happens, no matter what the government says, no matter what policies and, and the world wants to throw and, and exclaim and that sort of thing. God's truth will be there for us. Let me just close with a few thoughts on Thanksgiving. Um, first off, let me say this. Offer Thanksgiving of your own free will. Of your own free will. The Bible says in Leviticus 22:29, And when you will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. You know, all giving should be of a free will. All of it. Whether it's giving into the, the offering or tithes or giving to a friend or a neighbor or giving thanksgiving. All of it should be of a free will, right? That's clear from Old Testament, you know, when they were trying to gather supplies for the tabernacle or whatever. Um, God really was clear that it's what you wanted to, it was free will, you know, what every man had purpose in his mind or whatever. And that's important, right? And we need to remember that. We need to cultivate that spirit that I'm going to be thankful because I want to, right? My little boy is four years old. I could say, Toby, what do you say? Thank you. And that's all well and good while he's four. But if he's 40 years old and I have to say, Toby, you better say thank you, then we got a problem, right? It should be of our own free will, right? It should not be because somebody puts that pressure or that expectation on you. We're, most of us are adults here. We should have that spirit of thankfulness, right? And even those that aren't technically adults, we can all have that free will that, hey, I'm going to choose to be a grateful person, and we're going to give God thanks, not because somebody's forcing me or somebody's going to look down on me or I'm going to look like the bad person here or I'll be socially impolite. None of it. No. Internally, from our heart, this is what's right. So give it of your own free will. Number two, sometimes it may seem cheesy to be thankful for the small stuff, but be thankful anyway. Remember that verse in verse 4, be thankful unto him. 
you know, sometimes you might think, well, thank you for the sunshine and thank you for the green grass and thank you for the air to breathe and thank you for my car. And sometimes it might seem a little awkward or cheesy, but it's okay. Be thankful unto him. Be thankful anyway, right? And the more you practice it, I think the better you'll get to where we're not all about the physical, the right here, what's in right in front of my face. Thank you, Lord, for this 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 pulpit and this microphone. Like, I think as you practice and work towards it, God will help you see the spiritual things. Uh, thank you, God, for your faithfulness, right? And you we learn to mature, like just like in most any other process. But don't shy away from being thankful because it seems cheesy in the little things. Go ahead and start with those uh, little things, those simplicity things, right? Number three, thankfulness is a powerful tool to combat the evils and temptations that we all face. The Bible says this in Ephesians 5, 3, and 4, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient. So it says all these things, right? All uncleanness and some other things. But it says, but rather giving of thanks. So it says, don't let all this be even named among you, but rather, here's what you do. Give thanks. And whatever evil this, evils that we face, thanksgiving can be the way of escape. It can be that weapon that we use to pull out of our arsenal. And the devil is just leaning on us and, and working us over with whatever it is that he knows we're weak in or whatever. And you can start pulling out and giving God thanks. And I think you'll find that that is helpful in that finds that way of escape to, to get away. Because when you're thankful to God for all that he does and is and gives to us, um, that I think you'll find that temptation lessening, right? It won't hold so much pull on you. And you learn to use that that uh, weapon, if we could call it that, of thanksgiving. Uh, thanksgiving has power. This could be the tool that jolts you out of your funk or whatever you're dealing with and uh, helps you through that time. And lastly, let me say this. Thanksgiving brings us into the presence of God. Verse 4 there says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Do you desire God? Do you desire to know him better? Right? If if we're just worried about whatever we're worried about, then okay. But if we desire to draw nigh to God, thanksgiving can be that tool 